This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Hemant Mehta for the Friendly Atheist Podcast. I had a chance to talk to Alex J. O'Connor, who is Cosmic Skeptic on YouTube, and he has a blog of the same name, And it was my first chance to get to talk to him, so I was really excited about it. We ended up talking about advice for aspiring YouTubers and why, if you have any interest in doing YouTube, why you should start communicating on that platform now instead of waiting down the road. We also talked about if there's a difference between you know, the author atheists, the new atheists like Hitchens and Dawkins and those people who influenced a generation of atheists versus what younger people are kind of attracted to now, which is that whole uh, platform of YouTube and all the atheists who are on there. So what's the difference when you learn about atheism from books versus on YouTube? And is one better than the other? So I hope you enjoy the conversation. So Alex, thank you so much for uh, being with me here. No, not at all. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, like, like you say, it's, it's, uh, it's good to finally speak to you, to be able to thank you, especially because I think the entire uh, my entire YouTube channel basically got started because of uh your blog oh excellent um and where are you based so i'm based in oxford uh england um which sounds really uh posh and makes me sound really (laughs) posh but um i don't study at the university i just happen to live here um it's it's interesting because a lot of the the people i talk to and uh, the people that i collaborate with are from america so i spend a lot of time up late in the early hours of the morning um, but it's certainly worth it well that's that's very good so uh, one question that i always see whenever i post one of your videos or i or i uh, see the comments on your own channel how old are you and like what are you doing are you in school are you doing something else <laughs> yes well i did um i addressed this in a video once but it didn't get that many views i i am 17 years of age um, and I'm currently studying my A-levels, uh, which I'm not sure what the American equivalent is, actually. But it's We, sort of we no set. longer have an education system in this country. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's sort of the, the step before university, uh, effectively. That's sort okay. of where I'm at. Um, so, yeah, 17 years old, studying, uh, doing philosophy, politics, and sociology, um, and that's sort of where I'm at. So, and is this something you'd like to pursue if you go to university somewhere later on? That's probably my sort of second most popular question. Um, yeah. I'd say I'd like to say so. Yeah, I'm not sure if YouTube specifically. I don't know if I necessarily want to be a YouTuber. I might want to be um, a speaker slash author slash somebody who has a YouTube channel. You know, right, right. Um, but I think anything that allows me to sort of continue uh, doing what I'm doing um, in any format would be would be great. Well, one question I wanted to ask you, because it seems like for a lot of people, you know, here is a new person on YouTube. You kind of came out of nowhere, which is awesome, because I think if people see your videos now, they'd be like, oh, yeah, you, you're kind of a YouTuber pro. You've been doing this for a while. And like, no, no, you started and you just kind of kept at it. I'm sure you've learned stuff along the way. But the question I want to ask on behalf of people who may say to themselves, I want to do what you're doing. I want to make these videos but I have no idea where to begin or how to begin or 
How do I build a following? You seem to have done all those things in a relatively short amount of time. And what mm. advice do you give people who ask you those types of questions? Well, the first thing I like to sort of um, say as a disclaimer is that there is an element of luck for sure. Um, it, it's not like, you know, you can you can do exactly what successful YouTubers uh, do or people who are less successful and just, just have some of a following or, or whoever. Um, you can follow exactly what they did, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee your success. Um, I think you... I, I, that's why I, I always sort of I'm a bit trepid to offer advice uh, in the sense that I wouldn't call myself necessarily a pro. Like you say, I haven't been doing it for very long and I got quite lucky. Um, but I'd certainly say that there are certain things which are necessary, if not sufficient, um, which are, for instance, you need to actually do it for a start. I, I've heard a lot of people sort of say that they want to do it. Um, but if you want to do it, then why aren't you doing it? You know, you, you have to start realizing that you're not going to have any views. You're going to have nobody watching your videos. You're going to be very embarrassed. And the first people to see your videos are probably going to be people that you know uh, personally. And that can be quite sort of – that can be scary and intimidating, but it's just something you have to accept. Um, but really for me, I'd say it's a lot to do with marketing your videos, making sure that the right people are seeing them. Um, so sharing them in uh, – Firstly, you have to have sort of good titles and things that people want to click on. Um, but once you've got that, you've got to know where to put them. Um, so, of course, you start by sharing within your sort of friends and family. I mean, I used to make videos uh, not like the videos I make now. I just made videos for fun. Um, and my friends and family would watch them. Um, it was only very recently, sort of August time, that I started making videos about religion and philosophy because I realized that was something I wanted to do. Um, and then I began sort of trying to, to speak to other people who were making videos uh, similar to the videos I wanted to make, um, see if you can sort of do collaborations, that sort of thing. Um, but also, you know, it was definitely an element of luck. Uh, a blog like yours sharing my video, um, that that's definitely luck. But at the same time, you know, after that happened, that, that happened when I had about 400 subscribers. Um, and that was in August time, I think. So you take that and that sort of brought my subscriber count up to maybe uh, about a thousand, thousand and a half subscribers, uh, which was fantastic. But if I'd have just left it there, nothing would have happened. You have to sort of be ready for that kind of when something like that happens and be ready to sort of jump on it and keep making videos and growing your audience. Um, that would be the main thing. I think you have to be, you have to be sort of ready for luck. You have to be, you have to have the videos, you have to have them well titled, you have to have good branding and and when that luck does come along, when you do get that one video that gets some views, you need to be ready to sort of pounce on it and capitalize on it and use it to sort of build your audience and send them towards your other videos and get them to subscribe. So some of the things you're mentioning, a good title, knowing how to get them in front of the eyes of people who may be interested, which I, I've gotten some great tips from people just sending me links on Twitter, like you should check out this video or I made this video. Mm. Would you look at it? That helps. I mean, I wouldn't see them otherwise. Uh, the titles Absolutely. definitely help. And yes, it's good to be able to jump on the opportunity if it comes. Um, I would also add that one of the things that drew me to whatever the first video you posted was, was just, oh, this looks like it was made by someone who not only knows what he's talking about, but it, it superficially looks good and sounds good. Like it's mm. not something someone just kind of half-assed. You, you did it well. And it, that doesn't mean to anyone listening doesn't mean you run out necessarily and buy an expensive camera or anything. What it means is, okay, don't make like some vertical video on your phone. At least position mm. it well. It, it doesn't yeah, it, take much to get a good not, microphone, you know? It, it's really, really not about um, equipment in, in, in the sense that, like, like you say, like 
you you can tell when you watch somebody's content you can tell if they're taking it seriously or not um you can immediately tell and and the sort of the temptation is to think well if you've got you know four subscribers and you're getting you know, 10 views per video why why on earth should i take it seriously but if you if you speak to those 10 viewers as if you were speaking to thousands um the fact of the matter is you know the videos that i made when i was getting 10 views now have thousands and so i'm quite lucky in the sense that i sort of thought ahead because you've got to you've got to think about the fact that if your goal is to eventually have thousands of viewers um the videos that you're putting out now will eventually have those viewers if you're successful so you need to um, no matter what the size of your channel i think you need to act as though you have a really successful channel because then when that success does come along um people will be able to sort of go through your back catalog of videos um and they won't sort of see it as unprofessional or, or they'll still be wanting to watch um, the videos that you used to make, even though uh, you didn't have an audience back then. Right. And I would add that I say this every time a video comes out or even on the blog or something where it's like, oh, man, I posted that thing yesterday. And if I had written it today or made the video today, I would have said something totally different mm. or at least better. Like you're always going to have those regrets. It, there is kind of a luxury to saying I should just start putting out some videos because no one's going to watch them and I can kind of yeah. work out the kinks. And, you know, if someone doesn't like it, guess what? No one's seeing it. And if I screw up, whatever, no one's really watching it. And yeah. you get better. I mean, I I know there are a lot of websites that are ready to launch that go through, like, let's just run the website for like a week or two, post mm. things the way we would post them, but not publish them for the world to see just so we can get into the habit of doing things the way we want to do them. And so there is some, uh, like you're saying, just start doing it. Do it the way you want to do it because you're going to learn things about how to make videos and content. Uh, and then hopefully, if people begin watching, you kind of know what to expect. Um, let me ask you, what uh, before you started your channel, uh, and I'm taking myself out of this discussion here, so don't mention, uh, you don't have to mention uh, my stuff, but what YouTubers did you watch um, uh, to influence you or to say, oh, man, I really like what these people are doing. I kind of want to do the same thing. That, uh, that's a good question in the sense that um, it, it's difficult to answer because I wouldn't say that I was necessarily inspired to make videos by other YouTubers. Um, there, were, there were certainly some, um, like your videos, like some of the more, um, I suppose, mature videos, I'd like to say, because <laughs> there's a lot... Um, if, if you can call it the YouTube atheist community, um, within that, there is certainly a, a wide variety of different people making a wide variety of videos. Um, and a lot of them I found to be quite um, either obnoxious or and, and they had every right to be. A lot of the time they were responding to people who deserved um, sort of the kind of the kind of treatment they were getting. Um, but from watching those, weirdly, I inspired by the, the kind of bad videos because I realized I think there's a better way of going about this. And it's not necessarily a right or wrong way. I just think there's a different way of going about it, which I think would be more effective. Um, and so I would sort of look at some of those YouTubers and use that as inspiration to, to make videos. But in terms of videos I, I did like, um, I, I wouldn't say it was YouTubers. I'd say I used to watch YouTube videos of, you know, Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris. Giving lectures um, and talks, things exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. And, of course, that was a while back before I'd really gotten really deep into the subject. Those are sort of the first names you come across. Um, and those sort of start inspiring. And you, and you might go out and make a video or something. Um, and then when you get more into it, you discover um, more and more speakers, more and more writers, 
um, and you just hear fantastic arguments and you think, is there a way that I can either uh, apply these arguments to other arguments, sort of mold them together into a sort of new presentational format? Um, how can I make them more accessible? How can I use them to debunk specific claims made by other people? Um, so for me, it was a mixture of bad YouTubers and good public intellectuals. <laughs> Um, put together sort of made me think, well, why not? Yeah, fair enough. Um, and I would add too, uh, for anyone listening who is interested in doing it, never be afraid of saying, uh, never think to yourself, oh, well, you know, other people have covered that material before. Mm. Like, yeah, everyone's covered everything before. But when you do it in your voice and in a style that works for you, it's going to reach a different audience altogether. Yeah, it, it, it's funny, actually, because people look and they say, well, you know, these... Um, you know, these YouTubers have already covered everything. Well, those YouTubers could have said the same thing. I mean, the same arguments and the same discussions have been going on for thousands of years. Right. It's, it's nothing new. The new the newness isn't in the content. It's in the way it's um, formatted and the way it's presented. Um, you know, you, you will always be able to offer your own humor, your own angle, your own explanations, your own interpretations. And so it's always worth sort of discussing um, the same stuff because it's important stuff. You know, it, it can't be talked about enough, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, let me go into your story a little bit. My understanding is you grew up Roman Catholic and at some mm. point you became an atheist. Is that accurate? Are you officially now out of the church? And like what caused that change? Well, it's um, accurate in the sense that um, I'm not officially out of the church because I'm not entirely sure how, how you officially leave the Catholic <laughs> Church. The I, I think I read out. somewhere you have to send a letter to your local bishop or something. But yeah. as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's behind me. Um, it was, I, I went to a Roman Catholic primary and secondary school, um, which was fun. And I'm actually quite grateful uh, for that because I think that I, I'm a strong believer that perhaps if I'd have gone to a secular school, I may still be religious because I wouldn't have had the exposure to uh, the religion. And I was, I, I like to think that when I was younger, um, I was a bit of a critical thinker. So I was told these wonderful stories about um, how Jesus will save you. And, and that's great. But then there's me thinking, well, what do I need saving from? And then you realize, well, okay, what you need saving from is the internal damnation that the uh, Heavenly Father has bestowed upon you. <laughs> You need to be saved from Christianity's own creation. Exactly. And <laughs> and those sort of questions wouldn't have come about if I wasn't forced to think about them in my RE lessons. Um, so I'm quite grateful I went to that Catholic church, uh, Catholic school, sorry. Um, I used to be an altar boy. I used to say my rosaries on the coach trips, on school trips. Um, I was, you know, I was a bona fide Catholic lad. But yeah. I think somewhere along the line, about the time I was switching from primary to secondary education. So, Which is about how um, old? Um, I would say roughly like 13, becoming okay. a teenager, yeah. effectively. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I can put it down to anything in particular, uh, but I think I started, like I say, I started watching uh, these public intellectuals on YouTube. Um, I started thinking critically um, I realized that things are open to question, that what your teachers tell you aren't necessarily truths. They're interpretations of truths. Um, and you need to, I, I realized I need to figure out how to separate what's being taught to me as a fact and what's being taught to me as an opinion. Um, and also, I, I just, you know, I wasn't the best student. I, I, I like to be a bit of a troublemaker, whatever. So in my RE lessons, it was a good opportunity to just be really pedantic and ask lots of questions. <laughs> and I didn't, I was just doing it for fun. But, you know, eventually it, it made me realize that there was a lot of holes 
in the stories. I was expecting just to ask these silly questions for maybe a laugh out of the class, um, but then the teacher couldn't answer them, you know, and, and it, it made me start to think, well, what's going on here? And I'd ask my church, um, I'd ask my sort of priest, I'd ask my teachers, my parents, whoever, and I just couldn't get a straight answer. And, and that made me realize, well, maybe maybe there isn't one. And, and that sort of started me down the path. But nothing in particular. Um, I think just development of, you know, critical faculties and reasoning skills sort of led to the um, inevitable atheism. This may seem like a strange question because you're on YouTube, but are you public about your atheism amongst your friends, family? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I'm about as public as you can be, really. Um, although I'm, I'm quite lucky in the sense that although I do have religious friends and religious family, um, nobody's dogmatic about it. In, in fact, if somebody was dogmatic about it, frankly, I, I probably wouldn't be there. Um, I, w- I was quite lucky in the sense that nobody particularly cared, really. I mean, even my school, um, the only person who really did care was my priest, but I wasn't seeing much of him anymore anyway, so that's right. fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm in a good position where I can be public about it um, and not have to worry. Um, I hear a lot of people, uh, people message me saying, you know, um, I'm an atheist. I watch your videos and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I don't know what to do because I don't know what my parents would say. I don't know what um, my family would say or my friends would say if I told them that I was even doubting my religion, let alone sort of denouncing it. I wonder, uh, do you get any backlash in your community, um, whether it's your school, your friends, family members, because you're now doing this more publicly? Like, it's one thing I to would, say I'm an atheist to my family and like, whatever, yeah. they don't really care. But when you're advocating for it, it's a different story. <laughs> I, I'd like to say I, I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily advocating for atheism. I'm just um, I'm just advocating for uh, anti-fundamentalism and anti-extremism. You know, I'm not necessarily saying you should be an atheist. I'm just saying that um, you should think for yourself. And if you are an atheist or if you are a Christian or if you are a Muslim or a Jew or a Sikh, think about why. Um, and I think that my sort of slightly more, I like to be relatively unbiased in my approach in the sense that I'm not just going to sort of, um, laugh people off or, or call them. But that kind of approach has led to less backlash. Um, cause I don't really experience much at all. The worst I really get is probably if I put out a video on a controversial topic or something, um, one of my friends who's religious might watch it and sort of message me or speak to me in person and be like, you know, I don't know about that. I kind of disagree. Um, and they might, you know, at times they might even be somewhat angry or completely disagree with me, but nothing sort of long, no long lasting damage is ever made because of it. Again, I'm quite lucky in that respect. And that's why I have so much respect for people who, um, have had to make sacrifices in order to speak up. Um, I'm certainly not, I certainly don't fall within that category in the sense that I don't receive much backlash. I don't get uh, too much of any of that sort of stuff from friends or family or anybody really, only really in the comment section of YouTube, which is sort of <laughs> to be expected. Um, but no, not, not really any backlash um, extensively anyway. What has, I, I know you uh, also now have started to blog. You You're trying out other social media stuff too. And I'm wondering what sort of, advantages, disadvantages are there to, to uh, talking about the stuff you do on YouTube versus writing about it? Are there certain subjects that are harder to do on one or the other? Um, I would say the thing about making videos is that when you're getting into it, when you're really sort of talking to a camera, um, oftentimes you make sort of slip of the tongue, you make a slip of the tongue or you um, say something and it's not, it doesn't come across 
uh, all too well. Um, people can misinterpret what you're saying. Um, and once you film that video and uploaded it, it's very difficult to correct these things and people can get the wrong impression and things. Um, and the best you can do is sort of uh, make annotations or respond to comments. Um, with writing, it's much easier, I find, to get your viewpoint across and to be concise um, and to ensure that what people are reading is what you wrote, basically, um, because people will hear all sorts of things uh, no matter what you say. You know, different people will hear different things. Um, but when you're writing, I think that people tend to interpret things a lot more clearly. Um, having said that, I haven't wrote um, amazingly much. You know, I, I'm sort of still getting into it um, and trying it out. But I'd say so far, that's what I've experienced. Um, I would say, weirdly, it seems like it would take a lot more time um, to make sort of a, a fully fledged video than a blog post. But because I've never wrote, uh, never wrote, never written anything really before, um, for me, it takes a long time to put blog posts together. Uh, because in ter just in terms of formatting, grammar, um, you know, learning the the software and all, all this sort of stuff. Um, Learning, learning the the sort of website software, the online software, um, that sort of hinders me a bit. So I'd say whichever you have more experience in is probably the easiest one to do. Um, it's yeah. actually surprising because I, there are quote unquote YouTube atheists, there are atheist bloggers, there are atheists in, who, who are writers and all that stuff. What's surprising to me is there's so many formats of social media, whether it's you know Twitter, Instagram, what have you, where I'm not sure there is a quote unquote, you know, atheist community on those platforms or atheists who specifically focus on getting out whatever their message is on those platforms in those unique ways, which to me seems like a lost opportunity because I imagine, uh, you know, religious groups are really good at those things. You mean like social media and things? Yeah. And specifically the different type, not just, oh, they're on every platform. But, like, surely there is a way to communicate yeah. the idea of science and atheism specifically through pictures, which, you know, go on Instagram and find a way to promote that stuff or Vine when that was a thing or whatever it yeah. is. Um, but for whatever reason, I never really got a sense that there was anyone specifically focused on whatever those other platforms are. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I would say... Facebook um, is a bit of an exception. I see a lot of pages on Facebook which are dedicated to um, specific things, be it atheism in general or to science or to debunking creationism or flat earthers or whatever it may be. Um, and they post photos and they, they get shared easily. So, so those tend to be quite successful. But something like, say, Twitter, I mean, that's the perfect place, I think, to have somebody who just makes witty remarks and responds to sort of current events and things. Uh, but I find that people don't tend to follow people on Twitter just for the sake of following them on Twitter. They tend to follow people on Twitter if they know them from somewhere else. Fair. Um, so you're certainly right in that sense. And Instagram as well. I mean, I think it's almost unheard of to see people dedicated, um, having dedicated Instagram accounts to to doing this sort of yeah. uh, doing this sort of stuff. Um, I certainly agree. Uh, but, you know, having said that, I have a Facebook page and an Instagram and all this sort of stuff. And I must say, I, I find it quite difficult to imagine how I would start integrating that fully. Um, I think that social media is a great way to advertise what you're doing elsewhere um, and sometimes to post uh, exclusive content and photos and things like that. But um, it, I do think it's quite difficult, especially because something like YouTube 
you have a huge opportunity for views, for subscribers, continued engagement, for making money, for monetization and advertising, all this sort of stuff that just isn't available on other platforms. And I think it's the same. It's probably the reason why Vine is shutting down entirely in, yeah. in the same way that people who originally made Vines got popular, realized they'd find more success on YouTube. So moved over to, over there. Um, if people have successful Facebook pages or, or start getting uh, noticed on Instagram or, or Twitter, they might realize that by making a YouTube account or making their own website, they're going to get far more traffic and far more success. And so they just start doing that. Yeah. Um, you said you were watching like people like Hitchens, Dawkins, whatever, uh, their lectures on YouTube and that kind of helped you grow in this sense. Uh, mm. Is it fair to say you've also read some of their books, the yes, quote unquote uh, new atheist books? To an extent, yeah. um, I, funnily enough, a lot of people ask me about about books and think I'm this massive reader, which I, I would say I probably am now. However, it hasn't been like that for long. So I've read, I'm still in the process of reading a lot of the sort of must reads. Um, but I, I've read quite a lot of them. Yeah. So obviously things like uh, The God Delusion. Um, I'm currently somewhere halfway through The Blind Watchmaker. I'm just trying to get my grips around there. But yeah, I've read a lot of Hitchens, um, Dawkins, some of Sam Harris. Yeah, I try to I try to read as much as I this, can. There's a reason I'm asking this, which is that yeah. I, I'm about twice your age. And the re, and what was interesting is all those books started really coming out in, in mass media form about 10 years ago. So this is when, you know, this is after I became an atheist. But it was one of those like, oh, there are books finally talking about these things that I'm interested mm. in. And that was the only game in town. Uh, blogs weren't really as big of a deal at the time. So whatever. So I remember reading a bunch of those books and I think a lot of people my age, maybe several years younger were definitely influenced in large part by those books if they are atheists now. Um, but today, and I would say this for people around your age, teenagers now, um, I have a sense that if they're reading those books, they're kind of doing it because one, maybe they feel obligated to, or people always reference them. So it's like, all right, I want to see what this is all about. I don't think they're necessarily getting influenced by them because those books are just older, you know? So they're not as, if they become atheists, it's probably not because they picked up the God delusion, but they mm. probably are getting influenced more so, I would guess, I don't have numbers on this, but they're more influenced by YouTubers or bloggers or something like that probably more YouTubers than anything else if they're younger. And what I would love to know, I don't know if you have any insight on this, but it's something that comes up in the back of my head anyway, which is I wonder how that changes things in the future. Because um, there is a difference between kind of reading this thought out, long, extensive argument in whatever those new atheist books are um, versus seeing, you know, shortened sound bites, shortened arguments uh, from different personalities on YouTube, which, like you said, it's kind of a crapshoot. Some people you you like a lot. Some of them you watch and you're like, uh, I wouldn't make that video, but all right. Um, I just, I'm really I'm curious what that means for like this next generation of atheists who are getting influenced more mm. by YouTube than by books, lectures, things like that. Yeah, well, I, I certainly agree. Um, I always say that. Um the the sort of classic books, the first ones that come to mind in terms of atheism, like you say, I don't think they're necessarily going to be converting anybody, but they're fantastic uh, to me for sort of refining your arguments and learning of ways to present arguments in sort of coherent fashions. Um, I think that people who are already atheists will find a lot of use out of them, even if not necessarily inspiration. Um, but for the future, I think the thing about um, 
YouTube's uh, YouTubers rather than writers is that they seem to be much more accessible. Um, mm -hmm. If you read a book by some kind of uh, neuroscientist or evolutionary biologist, if you read Jerry Coyne or you read Richard Dawkins or whoever, um, you can't, and after reading the book, if you have a question, sort of just send them an email. You know, the likelihood <laughs> of getting a response on something really trivial is, is so small. But uh, on YouTube, you can ask questions, you can get engaged. And even if the creator of the video doesn't respond themselves, you'll have a community who will. Um, and I think that that sort of ability to start conversations is much more attractive and, and sort of pulls people in more, you know, so people might be intrigued by something, not fully convinced, but they'll leave a comment, they'll get into a discussion, they'll check out other videos. And that's another thing you can sort of, you watch a bit of a, with a book, I feel it's almost a bit of an obligation. You, you start a book, you feel like you really need to finish it before you can judge the author and judge the book. Um, but with YouTube, it's much more snappy and quick. Like you say, you can just watch a video, um, watch a bit of it. Maybe you, maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but you can check out another video or another video and you can, um, also, if people have been making YouTube videos for a long time, you get to see sort of across their life and how they've evolved as a person. You can sort of watch it all at once. Um, so I think the discussive, acts, uh, the discussive aspect in terms of comments um, and social media and that sort of thing is going to be fantastic. And it's going to be fantastic for uh, people who are on the fence being sort of able to ask questions and sort of consolidate their knowledge. Um other than that, I'd also say that the quantity is going to go up. Uh, I mean, that seems obvious to me. You know, people just don't read books. People don't enjoy it. I mean, people people read select books. If they're into something, then they'll read books on that subject. People don't tend to just, or at least people I know generally, don't seem to sort of just read for pleasure anymore. It seems to be either um, obligation, like you say, they're, they're into a topic, they feel like they want to know more, and so they read about it. But if you're just the average Joe... Um, to me, the likelihood of you picking up um, a book about religion is, is far, far less likely um, than coming across a YouTube video and clicking on it. You know, if you're just a, a casual Christian, um, you might click on a video that, that challenges you. It might intrigue you, but you're not going to pay £10 for a book. And that's another thing. It's free. So, you know, the fact that it's free, the fact that it's easy, convenient and quick, loads more people are going to be. Um, discussing this sort of stuff and uh, being aware of the arguments and uh, or at least being aware that the argument is going on. Um, I think that is probably the main difference that I think we're going to see. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point that we, we're kind of going from these authors who are, you know, singular, intelligent, professorial from on high, in a mm. sense, <laughs> that you don't really have access to, to basically watching people talk about the exact same material, yeah. but who, who feel like they're your friends, they're your family. Absolutely. And I, I feel put, like a lot, a lot yeah. of people might think, who, who am I? Who am I to talk about this? Who am I to offer my opinion? Um, who am I to ask questions? Um, I'm not a professor of science. I'm not a theologian. Why should I make my own? Um, why should I think for myself when I have professionals who can do it for me? Uh, but like you say, yeah, people are realizing that actually you can think for yourself. Right. I mean, there's a reason even uh, a lot of the most popular like sex educators on YouTube don't necessarily have PhDs in the subject, but they do mm. their research really well and communicate it effectively to their peers. And that that's what makes them really good at it. Uh, yeah. And the same thing kind of applies to atheism. You don't need the PhD in philosophy per se or, you know, the, the biology degree to necessarily talk about all of these broader issues. Yes, if you want to go in some depth, it would help to have that extensive knowledge. But there is a power 
in hearing your friends or people who could be your friends talk about the same things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny actually, because, um, you think about the fact that, that when you watch debates a lot of the time, um, about religion, you know, does God exist? You'll have on one side, you'll have a professor of science who's, who's dedicated their life to studying, uh, physics or evolutionary biology. And on the other side, you'll have some guy who <laughs> believes in God. And, and I've always thought that was a bit of a, uh, that was a bit of a discrepancy that I didn't quite understand. Um, and you know, what's funny all... about that though, cause I've seen those debates and you know what the, the, sometimes the Christians who may not have the same degree per se are really good communicators. They're really yeah. good at speaking. And the professors who totally know their stuff are so boring to watch. <laughs> Absolutely. And to. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem. You know, you watch someone like William Lane Craig. I mean, that man, that man's a fantastic speaker. You know, he's very engaging and right. um, he's got a, a very listenable voice. Um, I mean, I can see right through it and his arguments are, <laughs> well, let's not get into it, but he's a fantastic speaker. Uh, he knows Turek, how to use emotion. He speaker. knows how to convince people or at least uh, exactly. put, put across that message that, look, I'm right. Here's why I'm right. Even though hopefully you could see through what he's saying. Exactly. I think he could argue for something that he didn't believe in and still convince right, some people, right. you know. Um, and so I think that it's, it's important to teach people um, that, you know, it's not about your credentials the argument doesn't change depending on who's saying it and you need to be aware of the fact that there are people out there who can speak really really well um but you need to see through that and you need to look at the argument and the best way in which to uh, really analyze an argument is to is to talk about it to, to discuss it to to question things and to offer your own opinion no matter who you are or what credentials you have and a great way of doing that is to start a youtube channel Absolutely. And, and I can't tell you how much I've learned from posting about something or making a video about something. And I genuinely do read a lot of the feedback, certainly on YouTube when oh, yeah. those videos are up. But it's like, oh, you know what? That person made a really good point. If I ever make a video like this again, I will try my best to remember that and incorporate yeah. that in. Every single time, every yeah. video I put out, I learn something new from somebody every time. Yeah. And you're always kicking yourself. I, at least I do. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I should have said that. That person is so... Or that's a really good joke. I wish I had thought of that. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a good opportunity again to sort of pin them to the top of the comments and say, right. oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And again, just showing again that anybody um, can comment, you know, if, if you sort of acknowledge some of the good arguments that are being made in your comment section, again, it just um, it f further sort of instills this idea that it doesn't matter who you are, just make your voice heard um, and it should be recognized. I'm going to ask you a question purely to get you in trouble. Uh, we could delete this if we want to, but <laughs> it is something that bothers me and it's not your fault at all, which is that in the, if I counted up like the YouTubers I have found online and was excited to share their videos over the past several, several months, there are virtually no women that I could give you on that list. And it's not mm. because they can't do it, but it's like, how come every time I find a new YouTuber who's really good, um, it, it tends to be a guy like it, it. And I'm sorry, that came off wrong. It's that I wish there were more females doing the sort of thing <laughs> no, that yeah. you're doing. And I don't tend to see it. And believe me, I'm trying to find them. And there are some uh, who do a really good job and I love to promote their stuff too. But is there something wrong with, YouTube, am I looking in the wrong places or what's the issue, do you think? Because uh, it's something that uh, we should see more voices. And I feel like we're falling into that same stereotype on YouTube that we kind of see in the book world, which is that 
certain kinds of voices rise to the top. And it's not, you know, it's not their fault per se, but it's like, why is that happening on YouTube as well? Yeah. Um, it, it is something I noticed as well. You know, um, I don't, I, I don't, I certainly don't know, uh, the reasoning behind it. What, what I would say is that something I, I noticed straight off the bat is that more people, more men watch my videos than women. And you um, know and that I, how? Sorry? And you know that how? Through like the uh, analytics you on can, YouTube? Yeah, you like look at the a- analytics. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I can't tell you. I think that it may just be um, a fact of probability that some areas are going to have more men than women. Some are going to have more women than men, possibly. I don't know. I think that what we need to do, our sort of obligation as content creators is to create a space where anybody and everybody can raise their voice, no matter who they are. Um, and whether they do or they don't is another matter. But, um, I think the most important thing for us to do is to make sure that if they want to, that they can. Um, and so maybe it is that there are loads of women girls who want to raise their voice but feel like they're not quite welcome in the community it's our job to make them feel welcome um and if we do make them feel welcome and then they decide well actually no we don't, we don't want to do that that's fine but as long as anybody and everybody and it's the same thing with, with gender with race with anything um we need to create a space where everybody can raise their voice regardless of who does and who doesn't um as long as the ability is there um, I think that's the important thing. But and I should I, I should I, also point out that I, I fully understand that there are barriers that uh, we didn't necessarily create. But yeah, if you're a woman, you're going to get a lot of nasty comments if you're a person of color and you make any video, even if it's mm. uh, I mean, a woman or a person of color making the same videos that you're making um, would probably get a shitload of crazy comments that they don't deserve in any sort of way. Um, yeah. And I, I can totally understand how people might be hesitant about doing YouTube videos because they don't want to deal with that. And I, I totally understand that. Um, I guess this is just more of a rant on my part, which is that I wish there were a better way to remove that barrier of entry because it's really frustrating that, uh, I only tend to see, you know, one kind of voice and I wish there were so many more because it's, it's a, it's atheism. It's a thought. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it shouldn't I mean, be atheism, constricted. Atheism isn't even a thing, is yeah, it, really? Right. <laughs> I, uh, mean. I wish it wasn't constricted to a certain demographic, even though it tends to play out that way, at least in the public eye. Um, yeah. Is there anything you would like to be doing? or you? Uh, I know you're still working on getting into university and figuring out your own life and stuff, but now that you've seen a little bit of YouTube success and you're hopefully going to keep making these videos... Are you thinking about like, oh, you know what? I would like to do this project. I would like to see my channel do this in the future. Um, I would say I'm really excited about doing collaborations with people. I've got a few coming up, I think. I've got a few that I've been in talks about. Um, I want to use the opportunity of having an audience, no matter how big. You know, It's not the, the biggest audience in the world, but compared to where I should be after having been doing this for <laughs> less than a year, it's incredible. Um and so I want to use that platform as a way to allow other voices to be heard. So if I do come across creators that I enjoy, um, hopefully I can help to promote them. Um, I'd like to start expanding in terms of uh, the content I produce. Um, I wouldn't like to sort of lower the amount of videos I'm making 
on the topics that I make at the moment, but I'd like to include more maybe scientific videos, um, maybe even dabble a bit in politics, although that might be a bit dangerous. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but, you know, I, what I want to do is I, I'm still finding my feet. It seems like I should be in a position where I sort of know what I'm doing um, because I have an audience, I have subscribers. Um, but because they all came about so quickly, and I'm not complaining for a second, don't get me wrong, um, but it didn't give me an opportunity to try out many different things and find my footing. So for me, I think really my plan is to try a bunch of different stuff and a bunch of different uh, types of videos, see what people like, and keep doing that. So uh, anybody who suggests things to me, I'll, I'll give it a shot and see what people think. Um, but I wouldn't say I've got any kind of uh, fixed plan at the moment. I'm just going to sort of write it out and see how it goes. Well, as someone who has watched your videos so far, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I hope you keep doing them, and I can't <laughs> wait to see what you do next. Uh, for everyone else listening, it's Alex J. O'Connor. It's the Cosmic Skeptic channel on YouTube and a blog of the same name. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for doing the work you do. Not at all. Thank you for having me on. And, and again, thank you for the original share, because if it wasn't for that, then... Um, I, I wouldn't be doing this at all. So my yeah, part, it, it makes me really happy when I see someone new doing these things that I, I care so much about. So it, it was a blast to find you. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Um, and, it's, and it's been a blast to become a YouTuber, I suppose I can call myself. That, so <laughs> it's been fantastic.